Talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wiser. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. Yay. We're live. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Fight Club. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Fight Club, everyone. Um, welcome to Fight Club for Business. This is a show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing systems, finances, and culture. And this episode this week is actually sponsored by Bookkeeping Academy Online. And Bookkeeping Academy Online teaches home service business owners how to do their own bookkeeping in less than one hour per month with no previous accounting experience necessary. So super excited for our sponsor this week. And if is this your first time joining us, we are a group of self-employed industry experts looking to have you find an area to fight for your business this week. And we're joined by Ellen Rohr. We're super excited to have her with us today. Yay! Thank you. We're so happy to have you. Can you give everyone just a brief introduction about yourself and your experience, your business, just everything Ellen has to offer? <laughs> oh, well, I'm old, so this will take the whole hour. No, I, uh, I like Perfect. to, uh, I like to introduce myself as a plumber's wife. Not that that's like the end all definition of what I do. It's just how my career really took off prior to, um, moving into this industry. I was a troublemaking fence testing kid. I had a hundred jobs and I'm the one that everybody complains about kids today. That was me. And then I married, and then I married a plumber. And this was my first entry into the world of tradespeople. My dad was not handy. When we were kids, we called people. I didn't have any idea what happened when you flushed the toilet. Never gave it any thought, or when you turn on the light switch, or that there's this indoor weather happening with HVAC. None of that. I, I didn't register any of that. And then I met my husband, the plumber, and I got turned on to the people who make those things happen, who create weather, who wrangle lightning, who keep good water from bad water. And I just fell in love with him and them. And that was really my foray into this industry. And I love it so much. Now, I don't know anything technical. If I picked up a wrench, I would get hurt. So I don't do any of that. I am a champion of tradespeople, and I do my best to help them find careers, not just jobs, create wealth out of their businesses, and overall, you know, help them make more money, have more fun, and find freedom in a business of their own. So that's my that's my mission. I believe in business, and I believe in the freedom that an honorable, profitable business can bring to a family, a community, to the world. So that's why I'm so glad to have a platform and happy to be here. Now, my day job is I work with Zoom Drain, and I'm the president of Zoom Drain Franchise. We have 20 locations across the, the country, and I couldn't be more proud. We power wash the inside of plumbing lines, drain lines. Mm. So we're kind of like power washers for those of you who are in that business. And uh, um, I, I love, love, love the people I work for, my partners, our franchisees, and especially those team members who go out and fight the good fight every day on the front lines. My last career, I hope I'm moving in this direction. All I really want to do is ride along and sit side by side with the people on my team. It's my favorite thing to do. So to get in the car, in the truck, ride shotgun, and just 
ask them questions and try and learn something. And I love to sit side by side by team members and learn that my great idea is the dumbest thing that they're doing every day. And maybe we could fix that. You know, so I really love the, the, um, I love the fine people who've made it, made their way to this industry. And I want to do right by them. And that's why I'm so excited about what you do. And I'm so honored to be here and have these conversations. Let's help people make money, have more fun. As my pal Al Levy says, less stress and more success. Yay! Let's do it. I, that, it. I mean, there were there were a lot of things in between there, but this is that'll get us started. <laughs> There's a lot of highs and lows, you know, but uh, we that we'll weave that in as we go. We'll work that in through each, each section that we. I got stories. I got scars. <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> thank you so much, Ellen. Um, my name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband and I've worked in marketing for about six years. So my passion is really helping individuals know their numbers and their analytics from marketing and make better decisions based upon those. So super excited mm. to say welcome back to Fight Club and welcome, Ellen. <laughs> hey. hey, well, <laughs> I am. I have all the areas of business. I find marketing the most intimidating. Oh my I'm God. glad you're here. Uh, we're going to dive into it a little bit. <laughs> okay, good, good. Most people find it the sexiest. It was kind of funny at the huge, we did a live podcast and uh, we asked questions in between each group. And I think the first three sections, I was like, so marketing question for Tay and Brandon. Uh, and we were like, hey, what about money? Hey, what about systems? Hey, what about us? Uh, my name is Megan Likes. I am the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I absolutely can get on board with your mission, Ellen. I also own Likes Accounting Company, a full service accounting firm because I'm a CPA based out of Northern California. And I own Window... Uh, well, I own window cleaning. No, I don't own. I own Jeff likes clean windows and gutters, <laughs> a window cleaning and gutter cleaning company, uh, based in Northern California with my wonderful husband Jeff. And I'm really happy to be here and fangirling very hard right now on my new BFF, our new BFF, Me too, Ellen for Moore. you, Ellen Moore. Uh, and welcome to Fight Club. Yay! Thank you, fangirling right back at you. <laughs> and I'm Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars. I'm coming to you from Virginia. And today constitutes two full weeks. I've been out of my business and it ran beautifully without me. So huge shout out to my team. I mean, I was gone on a plane to huge convention and doing all of that. So if you want remote CSRs or office managers, we've got a powerful team, I got to tell you. So that's what Pink Collars does here from Virginia. And welcome, Ellen. I'm so glad that I sort of stalked you a little bit. I'm just saying. I'm so just glad a little you bit. did. Just and a tiny will, bit. We are going to find a way to work together. Okay, good. We're going to do it. Yes, we're work if we're we're in conversations. We work 24/7, which is so convenient for your callers, but yeah. we're going to find a way to to make that happen. I'm very yeah. excited about your business model. Thank you. Thank so you. So needed. Much. So needed. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome to Fight Club. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm Martha Woodward and I own a maid service in a neighboring state. And I am co-founder of Quality Driven Software, which is basically an employee performance tracking software. Um, and I help people build happier workplaces through my membership, Culture First. So uh, I, that's a, a mission of mine is that I, I do believe that we're all about service and not only to our clients, but to our employees. And so why not 
be happy, you know, uh, us as owners and then our employees. So, so oh, right. that just warms my heart. I love, love, love that. Mm-hmm. And we are very close in birthdays. Mine was the 21st of August and yours was 19th. 19th. So Thank there you me. go. Yeah. So we're twins. Um, some group of friends <laughs> that I was with. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm one of those that, eh, it's a birthday. So, that, well, we may or may not have forgotten Martha's birthday during the huge convention. Oh, I'm sorry I brought that up. We basically locked her in a basement trade show and didn't feed her and didn't yeah. celebrate. And we completely forgot until the end of the day and mm. uh, we're the worst. And then we remembered <laughs> Ellen's birthday, our new friend that was two days later and asked Martha to make her a video. And Martha was like, so you remember your truth. Well, I announced my birthday, so it's kind of hard to miss it. <laughs> like there's like the Times Square banner is happening for a week ahead of time. So, yay. Had to bring it up, Ellen. Had to bring it up. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Next year at the Huge, it will be Martha's birthday again, and we will remember, and it will be great. And now Martha's like, I'm feeling sick. I'm not going to be there. While we get started, yeah, I want to make sure that everybody knows, please ask us questions today because we have something that we might be giving away to those who ask questions on Facebook today. So please, if you're joining us live, make sure to ask some questions because we've got a really cool book we're going to send out today. Okay. Sorry, Kay. Let's go. (laughs) That was the perfect segue. That's what I needed. So thank you. (laughs) Because I love Ellen. I've been going through this book ever since we got it from the huge convention. And marketing wise, it is, it is very difficult to tackle a marketing plan. And that's something that is so daunting, so terrifying to business owners, because there's so many different avenues you can go. You can, you can do Google ads, you could do SEO, you could do Yelp, you could do home advisor. You know, there's different ways that you can go about using your marketing dollars and putting that out there. But what I love about your book is not only do you tackle a marketing plan, but you tackle it in two hours and it's so simple (laughs) and so easy. And it's just, it blows my mind that on a Sunday at 7.30 in the morning, we're tackling a marketing plan and you're done by the time you'd normally be having, you know, breakfast on a Sunday after church. So I'd love to kind of get just your input on what you feel is some of the key points of a marketing plan. We don't have to go super full into it, but just some of the key factors that you really think do stand out when you are starting to develop that plan and that, that game plan layout. Well, overall to like give you the the inspiration behind the book prior to that book, I wrote a six week business planning book. I don't know how anybody, I don't think there's anyone on the planet who completed that, Like, it, but it's really good. And the exercises in it are very helpful. When I read it, I go, this is terrific, but it was a lot. And so like, I will get a, I'll get an email, uh, I, you know, once a week, Ellen, quick question, how do I start a business? And I'm like, well, questions quick. The answer is a little longer, but the, um, that, that book was really the response to like, how fast could you do it? 
And, and you, you know, it's called the weekend biz plan. You could do it in an hour. I'm working with a group of incarcerated people. We meet once a week and we go through an exercise once a week on a Zoom call. And these are guys who are using their business skills and imagination to create businesses um, with family members who are not incarcerated and for when they get out. So it's pretty exciting. The, the point being is it's just a few exercises and you don't have to finish them. You just have to start them. And that's why I put the time frames on build a marketing plan for two hours. Why? Cause you could take a year, right? <laughs> and so it just is a matter of some discipline, get it going. And maybe you'll be a little less intimidated by it. Raise your hand. If you ever procrastinate and take way more time fussing about it instead of actually doing it. <laughs> That was me, right? So I just thought, like, just set the timer and we'll get it started. And take a couple, a couple of things that you said that I want to um, uh, mention. You know, you use metrics in marketing. Uh, what frustrated me is that metrics in marketing are kind of inherently weird. They are because you know someone is going to see your track, talk to their neighbor, get the flyer, and then they're going to Google you, and we're going to count that lead as a Google, or yep. we might ask a follow-up question, like, how'd you come to call us? And then we might go, oh, it's a referral. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that layered on bit of it that made me so intimidated, makes me so intimidated. So I'm just bringing that up because if you have that fear, this is what the person who helped me get over it said, yeah. you know what, then you just got to spend some money and find out what's working as best you can. And you're going to make some mistakes. So like the idea that you could put a marketing to plan, plan together, engage that plan, and it would work is really not how that goes. The yep. plan, like you're going to do the plan, and then you're going to throw stuff out there, and then you're going to measure as best you can, and then you're going to regroup and do more of what you think is working and less of what didn't, and yep. you're going to make mistakes. And that, that like, it's not, there are other areas like operations, systems, Michelle, pretty easy not easy, but it's pretty form. Once you've got the formality in the process for updating, it is a little more clear cut. Marketing to me is the muddiest water, mm -hmm. is the muddiest water. It is also where when you get the money handled, the systems handled, when you have really solid, people are going to challenge you forever, Martha, right? That's the deliciousness of that. Um, but the um, ultimately, yeah. when you go to a meeting with a lot of sophisticated business people, meaning they're very successful by their own yardstick, they're making money, they've got the money, the systems in, and they're talking about people in marketing because those things are going to challenge them forever. So in the, in the book, I just um, tried to nail down what are the three things that you need. You need to decide on some kind of a budget and a percentage works if you're bigger, but when you're smaller, there should still be a minimum amount. We require that our franchisees spend a lot of money the first three months to get it launched because what I can't hear is, well, we don't have any money, so I'm going to cut marketing. Like that's right mm -hmm. in our agreement that they have to spend, you know, a significant amount of money to, to launch their business with marketing and we're going to help them then. So you pick the dollar amount mm -hmm. and then you decide what vehicles you're going to use and then you put them on your calendar. Because this is, again, when it doesn't happen so often, these great, the July 4th postcard never went out. It's sitting on your desk, you know, <laughs> it's got to, it's got to get done. So um, uh, the, the budget allocation and calendar are the three things that I just encourage you to do within that hour that you have 
um, for yourself. And I'll tell you that the number one way we go to market, and you probably do too, is referral marketing. And then we, we formalize it. So instead of just word of mouth, now it involves social media and postcards and direct mail and door to door and stopping by all of that. But, you know, that also, as someone who's intimidated by marketing, I can always get behind making a friend. I can always get behind, you know, developing relationships. Uh, our, Our number one lead source are other contractors. So, you know, you, you just mentioned a whole mix of contractors who are in this community. Well, that's how you refer each other. If, my, if I love my cleaning company and I do, I'll say, do you know someone who could do my lawn? And that's going to be my go-to person is, you know, who else in our community can I trust that's going to do a good job for my, for my family? So those are just a couple of thoughts, but I want to turn the mic back over to you. What's on your mind today? <laughs> no, I love it because it's... And- I think it's interesting that you do say marketing is intimidating because people do think it's like Megan says all the time, the marketing's the sexy, the fun, the it's the creative side of our brain. So I think that's why people love saying that it's sexy and it's fun and being a creative at heart. For me, it is very fun, but I always would see that fear in working with business owners of how do I know this is going to work? Like they wanted that immediate reassurance of mm-hmm. I'm going to put this money in and I'm going to get X amount of money back. Well, with marketing, you have to test the waters. You have to understand that you're allocating certain budgets, just like Ellen said, to test things and see whether or not that's what your market and your industry and your actual um, customers are looking for actively for your business. Cause we can be in South Florida be running Google ads and it can work perfectly fine. You could also be in a rural town in Georgia and Facebook actually works 10 times better for you because it's very close knit area. So you're connecting with individuals that you've known for a long time and you're not having to spend as high of a dollar amount. So it's taking these kind of tests and excuse me, implementing that and doing AB testing, doing split Mm -hmm. testing, putting things in place that you can, you know, to an extent, like Ellen said, there's, you have to touch a person about seven to eight times via marketing in order for them to really move forward and commit to your business. So once you evaluate, okay, these are the different touches we have in place, whether it's our trucks, our referrals, whether it's our customers themselves, you know, other business owners, you can also start integrating those Google ads, the SEO, the, the scarier sections that do involve financials being put out, but evaluate them and have the budget, like Alan said, in place be able to allocate that to those different areas. And then from there, mark on your calendar when you're going to review that. That's, I think, the biggest for me is the reviewing. Excuse me, because if you're not reviewing the plan and you're not reviewing what the marketing budget has done and what you've done in that X amount of time frame, then how are you going to know if it's working? If you're just relying on what the numbers are saying and what the team's telling you, you also have to understand those numbers and be very transparent about what your Google Analytics looks like. How is your Google My Business working and operating? Who's coming through there? So it's, it is very interesting to me that people do find it sexy and fun. And I think it's because of the colors and the logos and the branding and all the fun stuff. But <laughs> at the same time, yeah. it, it is a, it's a system in itself. And it's, I kind of feel like it, in a way, relates to the old scales where you'd have to really balance and find that balance of, okay, this is how much money we're going to put out. This is the balance that's going to come in from leads and how we're going to close them now is how that initial budget and balance becomes successful. Because that's the other piece too that, and I'm sure you can attest, comes to sales, a marketing plan is only as 
good as your sales technicians and your sales team. I mean, unless you have someone on the front lines able to sell that business with the value and the integrity and the um, bone, like the the value that the customer is going to get, excuse me, it's not going to be as successful. And do you let, feel- let me comment on that too, because like one of the most favorite um, metrics in marketing is ROI. And it's not it, like Megan would probably like a uh, wrinkler eyebrow. It's not technically ROI and it, but it's the, it's the term they use. Mm-hmm. And it means like if I spent a thousand dollars on a campaign and I got $5,000 worth of sales, it would be a five to one ROI. And to your point, that's not a pure marketing statistic because of the sales factor. So the numbers that I'm obsessed with, and again, I'm a simple girl. I try and boil it down. I'm so happy that there are people on my team who love marketing and really dig in. But what I'm looking for is what are the number of calls we get per driver or vehicle or marketing lead source? What are the number of calls and what's the cost per call? And a good one is one that brings in a whole bunch of calls at a low cost per call. So I'm looking for those. But if one brought in a whole bunch of calls and they were really expensive, be careful not to cut that one because how are you going to then replace those calls? So like the three numbers that that I really, and there are a lot of marketing stats, but the ones that I boiled down to are the number of leads in, like how many times is somebody making a reach in my direction via chat or a phone call or walking in your door, whatever it is, leads in a reach in your direction. And um, from where do they come and how much do they cost? Those are, those are um, what I'm most interested in. But that ROI is a sales stat because it would depend on whether or not you are converting that call. So be careful not to pick on your marketing team for that number. You know, that's a conversation. Well, how, what's our close rate there? What's our average ticket? And uh, that gets to be an interesting conversation. It does. And that's where coming from the marketing world, I will back Ellen and saying, please be nice to your marketing teams because that is. <laughs> It's really hard for us to guarantee that stat as a marketing professional when it does rely on the business owner or the sales team who's making those calls. Mm-hmm. So since we are talking money, I appreciate you taking so much time with me, Ellen. Thank you so Uh-oh. much. For talking are we off track already? No, no, we're to wrap? no, we're making it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sitting over here like I there's so many ways we could go with this. And it's so funny. We'll start a show and I'll be like, okay, this is what I'm gonna talk to Ellen about. And then something will happen. I'll be like, no, this is what we're going to talk to Ellen about. And I have changed what I'm going to talk back. about. I'm already like want to come back. Oh, oh my God. Okay. We, we would love that. Yay. Um, okay. So I, I just thought this is crazy and maybe we can't do it, but I think we can do it. What if okay. we made money sexy? Like what if we just like flip that on its head right now? And so this, this discussion you just had with Tay could absolutely happen when it comes to money and pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we knew, and okay, so sorry. First, girlfriend, I am- you are making money sexy. I can't tell you how happy I am that you're in the world. Like, do you know how many sales trainers there are? Not to disparage sales trainers. I love them. I've learned a lot. But count on one hand, the number of people who deal with money and most of them are personal finance. Mm-hmm. Right. There is like that. This has been it. You know, it's this. Uh, there's so much people would rather tell you about their sex life than to open their checkbook. Yeah, it's true. It's uh-huh. probably the it's most more revealing experience. Absolutely, hundred yes. um, percent. As somebody who funded my college days from doing uh, 
finance, personal finance for people, I can tell you, you can learn every vice about a person from looking at their checkbook. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So this book changed my life. I read it on the way to the huge convention and and I am obsessed with how easy you made something that I have skimmed over my entire career, which I feel like is almost a disservice to our listeners on Fight Club for Business, because turns out I was not starting in the right place, because if you are not priced correctly, then everything that we're teaching you about money and budgeting and raising your prices is off. It's skewed. It's like a disservice to your company because we started with the wrong number and I just, it never even occurred to me that we would start with the wrong numbers. So I want to talk to you about pricing. I love, love, love how into this you are. I, I love this. It's so simple because in this book, Ellen talks about, and we, we only get like five minutes to go over this. So we're going to be super fast, but she talks okay. about how most of us, when we go about setting our pricing, we look at our competitors and we look at their businesses that, you know, they're bragging or doing great, but really we all know we're not doing so great and probably are going to fail or did fail or will fail or whatever. And uh, we are like, well, that's what the market will tolerate. And we Ugh. set a price, right? We're like, mm-hmm. close our eyes and throw it at a dartboard. And maybe we do research to feel better about ourselves. But, and then we go to these trade shows and people are like, oh, I could never charge that much. You know, like that's highway robbery. And the reality is they're not making any money. So that's highway robbery because they're doing a disservice to their employees and their clients and their families and all those mm-hmm. things. So blew my mind that we were starting in the wrong place. So I'd like to fix it. And I think that we can frame this like you just did with marketing in that if you're priced correctly and your sales numbers work out, then everything else flows and you like build in profit to your business. And you gave so many Goose good bumps. examples, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about pricing and let's talk a little bit about your experience. I know I probably did a disservice to this one. Oh my gosh, that was such, that was so engaging. That was so magnetic. We only have four minutes. So I'm just going to, yeah, I mean, just so you know, I'm not, I'm not, there's no judgment, only love here because when I met my first mentor uh, about money, I've had so many great mentors, but I want to shout out to Frank Blau who wrote for a magazine I wrote him a letter, said I'm broke. He calls me up and he he beats me up, beats me up. Because in this letter, I'm talking about what the market will bear and you don't understand my cheap customers. And yeah, I read your article and everything, but you're wrong. You're rich and you're wrong. Let me tell you why you're wrong is pretty much that how this relationship started. And what he, he said just that is if you get price right, everything else will be fine. And if you don't, you're going to tank your business you might as well shut it down now. He was not mincing words with me at all. And I still took about two years to take the medicine, calling him up. I'm not sure. Finally was sure if I raised my prices to where they needed to be according to the math, then I would go out of business. And I got to the point where that was a lovely alternative, lovely alternative. Let's do it. I'll get a job. I don't care. I hate this. Uh, I'll move to a new country. Yeah, I just was ready to go. And all that happened is we made more money. We paid off our debt. And then I became like, I was born again. Who, how do we not, just like, like you were just saying, how do we not know this? How did I graduate with a degree in business administration and not know this? And that's where I got on my soapbox, just like you are. And girlfriend, there's so much room on the soapbox. I'm so happy to have you. 
so okay. happy to have you. I mean, that is all super flattering. If you are listening to this, <laughs> what we're trying to say is no judgment. And you kind of need to undo everything you know about your business. You mm-hmm. kind of need to go back to the mattresses, back to the beginning, back to like ground zero and look at your pricing and it's going to be painful and your customers are going to be grumpy and it's going to be hard with your CSRs and it's going to be hard. Like, but the alternative is you're price strong and you're basically paying money to go do work for people that don't yeah. totally appreciate it. And you have no idea how you priced it. So, well, the math, the math, Megan, you either make the top line bigger or expenses smaller. So you tell me, should you cut your salary of 24,000 of last year? Is that should get that go lower? Our number one to, to Martha's point, our number one expense is people. So we want great people. Let's do nice things for them. Is a, your, your prices have to go up because your expenses should go up. Your expenses are too low. They're not too high. That's why you're not making any money. So yeah, that, that just, I'm so glad that you brought up this issue. Yesterday, I got a phone call from a member of the huge organization. He said, I, would you help me write a letter to my customers telling I'm going to raise my prices? And I'm like, no. And why would you send it? Why would you send a letter? Did Ford Motor Company send you a letter saying our prices are going up this year? They go up every year. <laughs> Uh, Victoria's Secret goes up every year, they, every month. They, you don't know. You just say yes or no. So yeah, I, I, you know, and that fear. And I said, well, you know, the hardest part of this will be telling your team. And he says, I work by myself. Well, then you're fine. All you got to do is convince you. Those those companies at four million. That if you're an owner of a four million dollar company, don't you drool sometimes about the one man band who all he has to do is decide and change, and it's done. He doesn't have to get anybody else on board. (laughs) Just do it. We had the most fun conversation, but this, that fear of your customers will be fine. Some of them may dump you. There's a lot of, if you work all by yourself, how many customers do you need? 2000 in a town of 300,000. Could we go find them back to marketing? Oh my gosh. Seriously. I yeah. kind of want to mic drop after that. Um, Bam. So, so I feel like pencil just, drop, just okay. pencil drop. I love it. Number two pencil <laughs> drop, like true nerdy accountants. Okay. So to recap, what Ellen just said was it's okay to raise your prices. It's okay to charge a fair price so that you can spend money on important things like good people and nice things for those good people. And you know, you want to pay, you want to have your customers pay for you to be reliable, pay for you to provide a quality service, a quality keyword there, quality service. And it's okay to charge accordingly. In fact, it's your job and responsibility as the owner of your business to charge accordingly. And it's okay if you've been charging wrong all this time, you can fix it today, tomorrow, you can absolutely do it. This book, I'm going to, they're going to type it into the chat too, will help you come up with a formula to figure out, and I hear this at conventions, people are like, what should I, what's my labor rate? What should I be charging per man hour? Well, most of us don't know. And we're using somebody else's numbers in a totally different market with a totally different business. And you should figure out what your number is. And Ellen's made it super easy and painless to do. So I encourage you, that's, we're going to, we're getting ahead of ourselves with homework, but that's the recap. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, so by the way, gonna- some of my clients never did the math. They just tripled their prices. It worked. 
if you don't want to, if you don't want to read the book, if you don't want to do the math, there's an option. I love that. I love that. Uh, Try that. Cannon says from Tennessee that she came in here preaching the gospel. So I think we've got a huge fan here. Um, And and on that note, if you don't want to do the math, you don't want to read the book, according to Ellen Moore, (laughs) just triple your price. If you have Fight Club's permission, don't double them, triple them. And let there us know how go. that goes. It's going to work. It will work. Mm-hmm. Your phone will keep ringing and people will keep saying yes. I know it feels weird, but it happens. Mm-hmm. And we're going to move on to systems now okay. with Michelle. <laughs> oh, Thanks. this is good, Michelle, because then if you are going to charge more, doesn't it make yep. sense to be better? It does make sense to be better. It absolutely does make sense to be better. Um, and that's what we want to talk about in this book. I'm obsessed with the fact that one of the very first pages is go to the office supply store. Now I am a dyed in the wool paperless. Everything is digital. And if it exists in the physical space, I want to burn it, but I have been wrong because I think there's something really lovely and beautiful about holding something physical. Tell me why you think this is so important for business owners to have this as a system in their company. Oh my God. Start okay. something physical. Okay. Tell me why it's so good, please. Okay. <laughs> Michelle, does this mean we get to buy business cards now? I'm getting a, maybe, I'm getting, maybe. I'm getting a prop. I'm getting a prop. Okay. Oh, I love it. Okay. Tell me. Well, this, this, this changed my life and has been so critical for me helping team members and and business owners implement systems. I am a digital girl too. And on my desk is usually only the project I'm working on. And then my notebook, which I have not given up a a physical form because I don't think fast enough sometimes to know where I want to put that information. So what I require is of myself and other team members that they have some place, one place to write down things they need to remember. This is the beginning of doing systems. Like just, it really is. It's not all in your head. That's so exhausting. I try and keep my head in empty space because then you're open, (laughs) open to inspiration and conversation and being present. And if something needs to be remembered, I got to write it down. And it's very, very good advice. So I'm so glad you picked up on that. Also, some people are fast enough to type into their tablets or iPhones or whatever, then that's fine. Do it or dictate notes and keep themselves organized. I'm fine with all of that. It just has to go somewhere. And having a notebook and a team member, mama didn't teach them to write stuff down. So it's our job. To do that. So I I want you to carry on. I just wanted to underline what you just said. It's like, okay, a notebook. You could build the my my incarcerated people have notebooks without wire, without wires. And then they this is they've built plans, they do spreadsheets, they've done budgets, they're building businesses, and it's just in a notebook. I love it. So for those of us in the audience at the huge convention, we got to listen to you speak and you talked about building basically a binder, right? And it's like the heartbeat of your company. Can you go over that for those of us that, or those that are listening that didn't get to attend your seminar and tell us why. Okay. Another prop. Yay. And tell us why that's so important. Cause again, I'm the digital queen. So I'm fighting you hard on this, but I honestly believe there's something really good about holding something physical. So tell me. Okay. And, and everything that's in here 
yes. is in digital format in Google Drive okay. with, the same, with folders that line up with the tabs. Okay, now you're speaking okay. my language. Now you I can I, hear you. <laughs> okay, yeah. And so either's fine. Okay. And really, this to me anymore is just a, a, a prop to show folks that, hey, if that intimidates you, if creating your business plan sure. in Google intimidates you. There's also another reason. Suppose you're on the plane and yep. Warren Buffett sits next to you and he says, so what do you do? And you get a little like elevator speech going. And then he says, I'd like to learn more about your business. And you flip open to the executive summary and you give him one, uh, you know, like there. So again, the physical, the physical piece of it does move from thought form into physical form does have creative power to it. So in fact, the, the inmates at uh, uh, um, Davis Correctional Center in Oklahoma made me one of their businesses is doing leather work. Oh, wow. That's just gorgeous. Okay. So it is just a glamorous three ring binder. And in the binder are just tabs for different areas of your business. So your tabs could say marketing in parentheses, Tay. Yep. (laughs) The people in parentheses, Martha, the systems in parentheses, Michelle, and then the money. You know, um, I call these different areas of your business, setting site, building the team, making money, getting it sold, getting it done and making sure every guru's got some language, but they all morph into those same basic marketing uh, people, HR, admin systems, procedures, your operations manuals and the money, honey. And then your job (laughs) as the owner is your job as the owner, the two things you cannot delegate are the vision of the company, the direction to which we're headed, and then the the responsibility of the the money. You know, you're putting your money on the line. Those two things, everything else, you can sub out, you can get help, you can, uh, even those things you can get help with. But those those other areas, you don't have to do it all if you want to grow your business. But so for each area of the business, if you're working with Martha and you come up with a recruiting, hiring, onboarding, uh, uh, employee happiness program, mm-hmm. then you could do, you could use this binder to put whatever Martha gives you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's going to have forms or tools or systems, three hole, punch them and put them in the binder. You don't have to make everything up. Yeah. You're going to take it from people, buy it from people. And then you get to pull it through your filter. And now it's in your binder or the financial. You can have a tab for the financials. And every week you're going to run your balance sheet, your profit and loss, maybe your one page dashboard report, the financial quick check, your um, exercises about your selling price, three hole punch, put them in the binder. Yeah. So now you're just, this is it. You go to tell your spouse, honey, I'm going to take $50,000 from under our mattress and I'm going to build a business. And here's my plan. Yeah. Do you see what difference that is going to make to that conversation? Let me sit down and show it to you. Doing that on Google could be a little trickier. Flipping through the pages of your binder may be a little bit easier, but all I, all, uh, methods are welcome. Let me stop now. You share. No, because you, no, no, like, no, you just I, like got me going with the notebook and the office supply store. <laughs> no, I love it because because I, I try so hard not to have paper. And it's really, it's really, I have to tell on myself because my assistant Taylor comes and I have piles of paper that she has to deal with. So of mm-hmm. all the people that build systems, I am the worst offender of piles of paper. So I'm going to actually get a binder and make this happen for me. And I just love that you took this physical thing that can 
be sort of looked at as old school and make it something that you can externalize your business, work on it when you need to, lay it down when you need to. I think there's something to that too, getting it out of your brain, yeah. putting it in the physical space. So I just love that as a system. And, and a lot of people don't think as broadly about building that for their entire business. And so I love how you distilled it down to something. So let me, let me oh. ask you this question. Please. It, when it comes to systems, I, you know, one of my questions to, to people I work with or our franchisees or prospective franchisees, tell me about your operations manuals. Where are they? What do you have? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, if they have an employer employee manual, sure. I'm like giving them an A plus. That's like, yeah. all right, that's something <laughs> But other than that, most people don't have anything. And so they they stick a guy with another guy and they say, good luck to you. And then they send them out in the truck together. And that's training. Yeah. Um, so when you work with the client, what are the systems you, you start with? That we use? Well, we use Trello as sort of the dashboard of the business that we support. And so it's a it's a lovely visual, it's lists, it's it's groups of information. And so we have that being collaboratively used between our clients and our team. And I think that that's a beautiful system. It's really simple. It's free. Um, and most people can understand how to find a picture. So we make it very graphically pleasing for people. And then I think probably one of the pain points that we solve the best is just communicating between the office and the field. And we use Slack for that communication so that everything is documented. The owner can review communication as it's going between team members and make sure everybody's playing nicely in the sandbox. So we bring those two tools with us um, in addition to a whole host of others. But I love those two as kind of the baseline for any company. Um, so, and so I tell let me people, bridge yeah. on the paper. I'm going to interrupt Please. you. Sorry. So, but let no, me make no. the bridge because everything that's in paper, mm-hmm. I own. Because no one else can see it. Yeah. Okay. So that notebook, whoever owns that notebook, it's theirs. What you just talked about with Trello and Slack, those are essential because if you don't want to have everything on your list, you put them on (laughs) collaborative lists. And that's so delicious. It is. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Love that you start with that. So now we we're going to get people in communication. Yep. Very nice. Okay, yeah. continue. Then after okay. that, what? So then after that, we just work on the CRM of their choice. And so every business owner is going to choose a CRM based on their in- interest in the business, what numbers they need to get out, what the workflow looks like. And we just work within that CRM. So it, it really is us sitting inside of the business as if we were an employee of yours. And I think that that's the best system we can do is just provide great people, like you mentioned, um, great people with good systems underneath them are going to be superstars, no matter what. They're just going to be awesome because they're going to have those tools um, to be, be able to really shine. So this is why I was talking about like the last step of my career. All I really want to do is sit side by side because yeah. that's how you know <laughs> if you're full of it or not, like you kind of like you come down from the ivory tower, you go to convention, come back with this great idea and you go do it. Yeah. And then Woo! like two months later you go, what, why and it, it all you did was sort of a spanner in the works. And, you know, so I, I love that that's where your um, inspiration for what happens next comes yeah. from. Let's see how we're communicating because the CRM is then the interface with the customer, the dispatcher, the service tech is all flowing yep. through that 
that um, uh, customer relationship management yeah. software. So all together. Very nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a perfect segue to hand you off to Martha and she'll talk to you about those awesome people we just mentioned. <laughs> Thanks. Ellen. All about the people, Martha. Yay. All of Yay. this is about the people. Uh, well, I'm going to do a little bit different topic today because you mentioned something that's sparked my interest and I don't think we cover very much. So okay. what we do cover a lot is talking about rewards and recognition and, you know, employee engagement. But one thing you mentioned when you were talking to Tay, I believe, is um, you mentioned the conversation you have to have when your salespeople aren't converting. And it was just a side note, but it made me think that conversations, having those tough conversations is really a practice that not a lot of people are familiar with. I mean, I I know you see it. I see it. And, you know, you'll, you'll hear people complaining, complaining about this person. (laughs) And then you're like, what, what do they say when you talk to them? Oh, I haven't talked to them. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're no. like, oh, okay. How are they fixing it? If you do, they don't know. So. Oh, what? am I enjoying myself today? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Loving yes. this. Um, so give our listeners some tips or action plans. Of if you have an employee, whether it be management or field staff, And you're having those thoughts about their performance. Yeah. How should they move forward? Uh, I'm looking at the time like, oh, I love this. I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. There's a couple things um, that I I, want to squeeze in here. One is I never talk about attitude. I never talk about, I work on my own. Thank you very much. But you can't get inside someone's mind and it's not your place. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not providing therapy or I'm not. Um, uh, So the I am a behaviorist. I am a behaviorist when it comes to to um, uh, my communications with team members. So, you know, someone will say, oh, Bob's a black cloud. He walks in here and the energy just, what am I supposed to do with that information? What do I say to Bob? You are a black cloud and you need to knock that off. What does that even mean? And as someone who's had the attitude conversation, I got to tell you, I always am having fun inside my head. So, so when someone says, I don't like your attitude, I'm like, have you been in here? Because it's fine. <laughs> they didn't like my behavior. I'm coming in 10 minutes late. That's not an attitude. That's a behavior. Mm -hmm. So my encouragement is to be behavior focused and to focus on the behaviors that are going to help your team members win and to give someone enough time and energy and conversation about their position and them Mm -hmm. and figuring out if that's going to be a good fit. And if it's not, let's not leave someone in a position where they're losing Mm -hmm. that we make that commitment with our team members. You know, you're going to come on board as an apprentice. And the best part of our next three months is we're going to figure out if this is a good fit for you. 
So these are the expectations and you're going to bring your skills and dreams and hopes to the party, what you want to accomplish, whatever your goals are. And if we stay in communication, maybe we could ride this train a little bit together. But if you're not a good fit, if you're not winning, we're going to move you on or get you gone. Fair enough. I mean, people want to be talked real to, don't they? And, and how many times have we gone to a company and there's, you know, uh, Susie and Susie's losing her stats are terrible. And everybody talks about Susie. Well, we can't fire her because she could never get another job. Like that is the most human sucking sound in the world to me. What, what, what do you know about Susie's chance of being successful in the world? Maybe you're the problem. Maybe this job isn't a good fit. Maybe it would all be okay if we just talked about this. Like you said, that they, we never talk about it. So I don't talk about attitudes. I focus on behaviors. And one other tip, this is such a good conversation, Martha. You know, I would love to unpack this for a while with you. The other thing, I don't give poop sandwiches. I do my best not to give a poop sandwich. Do you know what a poop sandwich is? I do. Okay. what's a, Define it for the good listener. Well, home. where you lead with praise, criticize in the middle, and then end with praise. And Ellen, I agree with you because I think we're all savvy to what that is. <laughs> and, uh, it's confusing I, is what it is. Yeah. You know? And, uh, you know, I feel like if I do that, people are on to you and I, I don't know, I'm a cut to the chase person. So, you know, let's just, let's just talk about what we need to improve. And there's a time and place for praise and recognition. Absolutely. But I don't think it needs to be manufactured to disguise the real conversation. Oh, that's so well said. That's so well said. And so like if there is a if there's poop to be given, just give the poop like mm. no, yeah. <laughs> no, you showed up at 810. The start time is eight o'clock. And this is a verbal warning, which is kind of an oxymoron because I am going to document it. And that means there's a, a, a written warning and then you're suspended without pay. And because I'm a nice guy, you get four strikes at that before I fire you. But I want you to know that that behavior is inappropriate or we agreed on that. So what do you got to do now? At this point, you could say, why are you late? And they could say, well, my dog died. OK. And you go, that's why you don't get fired for the first offense. I know I'm still being kind of cold here. But like, do you get the idea? Like stuff does happen in life and there is, but there has to be, you have to, one of the requirements for having this job is you have to be reliable and show up. And there are only so many uh, strikes before we have to get you good or get you gone. Mm-hmm. So by, by, be, I just am very, people I have found, I do, and people appreciate when we talk real to them, instead of talking about things about your attitude or trying to find out why, you know, the deep, dark secret of your past that would make you chronically late. I don't care <laughs> after work, let's go get a root beer. Maybe we could talk it out, but at work, another thing too, if you let someone off the hook because their life is falling apart. Is that helping? Right. Is there, if their relationship is falling apart, is it going to help to have their job fall apart too? Mm -hmm. What you could say is, I understand you got some tough things at home. So what we're going to do at work is to help you win. And this is going to be a place that's safe 
You can feel productive. You're going to be loved and supportive. You can develop skills here. You can make more money. Let's make this an area that works in your life. Agreed? Like get some agreement that if that's what I see for you, do you want that? Or what do you want? Do I have that? Maybe find that it isn't a good fit. So suppose we have someone in the sales team who's just underperforming our minimum level, acceptable level, according to our budget, Megan, is you have to bring in $250,000 a year. That's $1,000 a day. And you've got eight guys, seven of them are either at goal or above. And you've got three people who are not. Those three people, your job is to help them get good enough that they can deliver $1,000 a day. Now, that doesn't talk about what they're worth as a human being. It doesn't talk. It's just the game. It's just a game. And in exchange for that, we can help you grow skills, uh, uh, soft skills, English as a second language, a new, you know, how to drive all this cool equipment. These are the promises we're going to make to you in exchange for you showing up clean, sober, on time, dress right, and using a checklist. Okay. So now you create that, that game. And what I have found over and over is when you help people win, you help them succeed, you help them on to the next job or another position in the company, but you're committed to their success, their attitudes are fine. Some people are grumpier. Some people are sunny. Uh, Diversity, embrace diversity of personality as well as all other stripes. You know, so that to me, the big lessons have been not everybody's like me. I'm not going to try and and psychoanalyze them. I'm not skilled to do that. That's not my position. I'm going to try and create a good game and magnetize people who might be interested in this game and help them succeed at it or get them gone, get them gone or move them on. So there's so much to go. There's so many places we could go here. What's coming up for you? What's coming up for me? Yeah. Like, so now you talk, I'll stop talking. You talk now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, I, I, you know, I, I thought about that poop sandwich you talked about and it dawned on me. The reason that we probably do that is more for our comfort than, you know, it's, it's, you're trying to ease yourself into the conversation. So let's start with something easy and then mm-hmm. you can eventually get to what you're really there to talk about. So I love that. I mean, I never did that. I think I tried that a few times and that was just <laughs> not me. Um, and I could tell that I was really kind of making things up. And and I knew that the person on the receiving end had to be thinking, why am I here? What am I uh-huh. here to talk about? What am, you know, so let's just move forward. Um, but you know, no. the, the, the book, um, one minute manager mm-hmm. prescribes poop sandwiches. Mm-hmm. That's it, like his great idea. It's a, there's some really good lessons in that book, but that's not one of them. Yeah. And, and I do think that we all have our own, personality, culture we bring to the table. And so, you know, maybe for some people that is just part of a natural fit for their culture. It would be weird for me and I'm guessing you to, to <laughs> lead like that. And um, I wouldn't feel authentic and they would be left thinking, you know, it feels a little, well, it is manipulative. 
you know, and uh, yeah. so, well, and, and another reason I think people do it is because they've never said anything nice. I'm going to bring this guy to a conversation and tell him, give him another piece of poop. Uh, so I'm going to soften it. Right. You know, like, but if you, and I imagine you, you just exude love, you exude love, you <laughs> care about people. So if throughout the course of your day, you're noticing things going right, you're giving them specific compliments, you're, you know, at a boy, or here's a skill learned or something, I, the way you answer the phone and you said, and she said it was so good. You know, if you're doing that all the time, you feel a lot more comfortable going, no, Right. No, exactly. That's not going to fly. And for some team members, it could be like the eyebrows, like, are you kidding me? And I've got <laughs> it. I know I'm sorry. And then for another one who's obtuse, you have to go, okay, this is the behavior that is not working for me. Like you can get a little more, more specific. Right. Here's another tip. Don't bring people into your office and sit them down. It's the most intimidating place. It's awkward. It's weird. And it makes you feel like you're going to the principal's office. Everybody acts weird with the desk between them. So I like to walk around the building, walk around the building, grab a Walmart bag and some gloves and pick up cigarette butts and, you know, do something productive. Come with me. We'll clean up the yard. Walk around the building. There's something about being outside and moving and it just in the truck of the, in the, cab of the truck is a nice spot. Side by side is a nice spot. Um, going on an errand is great. Those are better places to have, um, I think, difficult conversations. I, I'm, I'm committed to never having a cross the desk conversation about someone's behavior again. I worked at a place where my office was upstairs and, and it was a, a health club and it had open stairway in the middle of the building. And so when I needed to talk to someone and bring them upstairs, that's when I learned, okay, we got to figure out something else because it was like the walk of shame going up the stairs. And, and uh, so one of the things that I count, there wasn't really good private spaces. So the way that I counteracted that is I brought them up to my office on a very regular basis for all kinds of things. So that yeah. when I did have to talk to them in a private location, it wasn't like, uh-oh, there she goes up the stairs, you know? <laughs> I've had so many weird experiences with up the stairs that at Zoom Drain, we heartily recommend you don't have an upstairs. Now, everybody's sure. on one floor at the upstairs always gets weird yeah. and you can overcome it. Right. But the upstairs, what's going upstairs is always different from downstairs and right. it's not worth it. Right. Mm. And it's yeah. that kind of level of hierarchy. Uh, yeah. My, like um, my partner and senior to me in our, in our franchise is a leader. I, I um, admire so much Jim Crenetti. And our next design for our, um, oh, we got to go to homework time, but next design <laughs> for the uh, office is to create literally a horseshoe of offices and the service tech space is in the center because uh, everything should support that right. service tech in the job. And just that concept of it, make, mm. I love that. So that yeah. we're working on that, how we're going to create the flow of communication within that construct. Yeah, Let's like do it. homework. All right. right. Yeah. Pay we're, attention we're here. Trouble. We're getting the hook. So <laughs> take, take it away. So homework, fun. homework. All right. So um, homework every week, we are going to give you guys accountability and homework for you to 
move the needle forward in your business this week. So we do ask, please, 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 please just choose one. We are going to potentially give you four to five pieces of homework right now that could be very detailed in what the homework's going to be about. So I want you to pick one that has spoken to you this week, something that we discussed today on the podcast. Just find that in your heart, find that needle, move it forward. So marketing homework, I'm going to flip kind of marketing numbers on their head today. So I want, which is what I'm really passionate about. I've talked to you guys about before understanding what your metrics mean in marketing. And Ellen hit it perfectly on the head. We're not focusing on ROI. That is a sales, that is a sales number. That is a sales KPI. That is a sales metric that needs to be focused on for the sales team. For marketing, I want you to focus on what your number of leads were with this week. Where did they come from and how much did they cost? So just those three simple KPIs. And then from there, evaluate that each week. So take that week to week. You can go month to month. However, you plan on doing your marketing evaluations for your company and your budget. But start with those three metrics and start this week so you can get a a snapshot of what your marketing looks like. Mm. Love, love, love that. That's so good. Um, And I I feel like we're building out a KPI dashboard with Ellen. It's so great. Okay. So for our finance homework this week, I want to talk about pricing. So I'm going to, I'm going to insist, I'm going to push. It's a big homework assignment to figure out what your man hour should be. And you can shortcut it by doing the assignment from this book, or you can do Ellen's hack and just triple it from what it is now (laughs) and just skip the book. So choose your own destiny. That was bad salesmanship. What? I love it. Okay, and not to not to uh, confuse things, but I'm assigning myself a homework assignment this week inspired by Ellen. And I just want to share with you guys what it is because it was like an aha and I wrote it down in the first two minutes of today's podcast. I have never done a ride along. <gasps> oh, you got to love it. Oh my gosh. I've never done oh, all. You ever. were on that. I saw a picture of you washing windows. You must have yeah, got there somehow. I've been on job sites twice, but as okay. a technician, not as like an observer. And um, so that is my homework this week. And it's Ellen. the cab time. Don't don't meet them yeah. there. Ride with them. Right. Oh, so good. Tell me about it when you do. Okay. <laughs> I've never done it. So good. I love it. And your systems homework this week is to go old school. Go to the supply house, get on Amazon, get a three ring binder and start putting those things in the physical space, get them out of your brain and into something where you can write them down. Um, So your homework is to get something, three ring binder, go old school, go to Staples, do whatever you need to do um, and get all those office supplies together because fall is a great time to rethink your business strategy for the new year. It's a wonderful time to get that system started as you go through the holidays and then the new year, you'd be ready to kick it off. So that's your homework. Oh, so good. All right. (laughs) and your people homework. So think about your staff and if there are some behaviors that maybe you've been complaining to somebody about, that's always my rule. If you're complaining to somebody else about a staff member, then ask yourself, have you talked to the staff member? So this week's homework is... Any behavior that is irritating or causing havoc in your business and you haven't dealt with it, this is the week. 
You are going to have those conversations. And if you want to put it in a poop sandwich, because that's the only way you can be comfortable, fine. Evolve to just saying what you mean. But uh, it is the kinder thing to do. It really is the kinder thing to do is to let the employee know where they're letting you down and how they and themselves down and how they can fix it. So good. So good. So here's my homework. Every one of those tips requires time. So block out the time on your calendar to do that homework. Otherwise, it ain't going to happen, is my experience. So love, love, love so much to you. I learned a lot. I'm so happy to share. I feel like I have soul sisters everywhere today. Thank you. It was super fun. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thank you so much. And usually we have a quote of the day. Mm. And I don't have a quote of the day. My schedule is all crazy. Do you have a quote for us, Ellen? Do you have any fun and inspiring laying around? This is is one (laughs) I just have committed to memory. Catherine Graham, who was the owner of the Washington Post newspaper, and just her story is so inspiring for girl power, um, said, to do what you love and feel that it matters. What could be more fun? Oh, it's so good. Thank you, Ellen. That was perfect. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, everybody. Fighting out there and have a great day. (laughs) All right. See you next Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Go fight. See ya. Go fight. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.